Welcome to Unlock Your Mindset podcast with me, Steve Rawlinson. Get ready to open the door to the world of business, entrepreneurship, and the art of achieving remarkable success. We'll focus on emotional, intellectual, social, and adversity, and how each of these traits are crucial to unlocking your growth mindset. The journey to success starts here, so let's go. Today, I'm joined by Toby Bridges. Toby has been working in MBT Group Limited since 1993, fourth generation family business. He became the CEO in 2008 and he's grown the business from 3 million to 14 million in three years. This saw the company land a place in the Northeast prestigious Fastest 50 Awards in 2018. And as part of the role, Toby is also the founding director of Vitech Solutions, a technology led business which started in 2014. Toby, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Good to be here, Steve. Thank you very much for coming on. So before we uh, press record there, we were going through some of the challenges of being an entrepreneur and how we're perceived. I think I'm going to do this show a little bit different because usually we go way back and we say, oh, tell us about your journey and how you got to where you are today and whatnot. But I think we should just give something back to the listeners here in terms of what that definition or what that meaning of entrepreneur means to you and about that journey of joining a family business and taking it from a typical supply chain management company to what it stands today and from what I can see is it's more like an entrepreneurial tech-led organization that gives so much more back to its customer base. I mean, what's what's your definition of an entrepreneur? Uh, I think that's an interesting one, Steve. I think for numerous years, I struggled with that because when you're in a family business, has that business been given to you? So therefore, you really are just a general manager or an MD, I say just, mm-hmm. but you know, critical roles, but are you an entrepreneur? I think when I took over from dad, we were running into 2008 and into recession. My dad's business was a sticky tape company, so he supplied really clever sticky tapes. So imagine a Formula One car all glued together. That was his business. And we were supplying lots of companies across the Northeast who were essentially in those days making televisions and microwaves and white goods and that sort of thing. That was our business here in the Northeast. I had a couple of businesses elsewhere at the time doing something similar. But here in the Northeast, that was it. When I took over 2008, China had been invented in the early 2000s, yeah. and those companies were closing down and disappearing. And so... I decided to change the business model away from just doing sticky tape. And it was with a conversation I was having with a client who was still and going to remain in the Northeast buying quite a lot of sticky tape for us. And he said to me, look, Toby, we don't buy sticky tape. We have done for 30 years from my dad. Why don't you just supply us everything? Because I just buy the fact you never let us run out. So I went, yeah, OK, let's do that. OK, so I basically went to his warehouse, a bit of sticky tape down in the corner, a lot of sticky tape. But then a whole bunch of other suppliers stuff like, and we're talking lots of suppliers so I went in and started to manage all of that his ambition as a young 25 year old was to make himself redundant which is incredibly rare yeah. for somebody to come and say make me redundant Toby and so by taking on all the suppliers we freed up all the space in this factory big big factory which meant they had more space for making their own materials they didn't need people to manage it anymore mm-hmm. they didn't need to manage the suppliers as much and basically we were going in sort of every day taking orders on, you know, on a clipboard, sort of them, three of them, two of them, six yeah. of them, whatever it was, you know. So we were into products, that, you know, parts that I didn't even recognize. It was just the management of it. And I think by doing that and changing in that way, and that's actually, well, as it happened, he then gave me an open order and he got made redundant 
and my business changed. So okay. he helped me change my business. I think at that point in time, Steve, that's when I recognized I was an entrepreneur. It was that when I saw something different. I think it was that when I went, yeah, I'm not just a general manager to my dad's business. So I think what I've always been good at without blowing smoke is is joining dots together and, yeah. and, and connecting things together. I think all great entrepreneurs see a situation and go, how could I do that differently? How could mm -hmm. we make that better? So there's a definition in there somewhere. Yeah. And and that's what it was. And you know, and I, and I remember going through all that period with my dad and my dad looking at me going, What what are you doing that for? Why are we doing this? Why mm -hmm. you know? Because he was moving on, he was moving out. And it was just that change really. I think that's that's the ability. It's the ability to see change, the ability to know it's going to make a difference. But the challenge is to get to that difference is it's gonna be really hard and for me it was. Because I can imagine it is that risk, because there's also an element of risk there that why why try and fix something that's not broken? Yeah. And and you have to... Mine was broken, I think, though. Mine was breaking. Okay. And you could see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dad's business was really successful. He had a really successful business, but it was coming, it was, it was maturing in its life cycle. The whole yeah. market was starting to change. And you could just see it coming, and I wanted to try and get ahead of it. And I just wanted to do something more, something you know, what would be my business and although very similar so because of what I do. So yeah, so fourth generation, what I do is no different to what my great grandfather and great grandmother did back in nineteen oh eight when they started, which yeah. was they were shifting electrical spares to keep the trams running in Newcastle, the yeah. trams that were bringing the coal down. Mm -hmm. That's what they did. You know? When my grand grandfather died in fifty one, my great grandmother took over with her daughters, my grandmother and, and uh, aunts and the trams disappeared and they went into the mines in Northumberland, became the largest supplier of Ericsson telephones in the UK in the 1950s. So four women in the yeah. mines in the 1950s. You want to know about challenge. I suspect that was a really challenging business. Yeah, I can imagine. But they did, created a great business. And so mine's an adaption of what we've always done, I think. But also I think as entrepreneurs, you've always got to keep moving mm -hmm. as well. I think it's- a, And evolving. Yeah, I, and evolving, I, I, yeah, yeah. Innovating, whatever it might be. And I think, you know, so, and, and there's lots, don't get me wrong, there's lots of challenges there. So when, when we took over the sort of client I was talking about before, when we took that over, we were trying to manage, we, we'd gone from supplying them two or three products, quite a large volume, but two or three products to supplying them thousands and thousands of products. Our largest client these days will do 25,000 transactions a month in stuff to keep their plants running. And you can't do that by going in, I'll have two of them, six of them, one of them. Mm -hmm. So we now got all these technologies to essentially manage that function, that automate that function, so people aren't as necessarily in the manual, the people are really critical mm -hmm. in doing tomorrow and, and working with clients, working with suppliers and getting that right. But the technology company we created is yes, creating technology. So I walk in, walk out storerooms now, where you can walk in, pick up a night and walk out again, and then the system's reading it. Mm -hmm. And then that creates essentially a digital twin of the inventory, which allow, allows you to connected into predictive maintenance, into the ERP systems. So it's become far more tech oriented. Uh, that was that was challenging because I'm not a technologist. Yeah, Steve. And, so. and you can see that. I mean, your growth rate from when you stepped into the CEO's position within three years is is phenomenal. Well, it was horrendous in 2008 because we hit recession. Yeah. Our business was I going remember backwards. That year. Yeah. So business was going backwards. So I took over from dad. I took over on October the 2nd, 2008 on that Monday I got a call from our bank at the time saying talking about my largest customer saying have you heard any issues with them and the, the, the point in time we were turning over about four million quid in Newcastle in the Newcastle business and this client was worth a million pounds to me by the end of Tuesday they'd gone they'd gone they'd fallen into the recession and that was my second day in the MD ship and then later that week I got a call from our pension company to discuss the final salary pension scheme problem 
right. that, that arose, yeah. you know, and then suddenly we had this, we went from paying 30 quid a month or something for final salary pension schemes to having a liability of something like four or 500,000 pounds. So not only did I lose a million quid with a turnover on my first second day, <laughs> I then suddenly had this massive pension liability. And he's sort of standing there looking at it by the end of the Friday going, I think Dad sold me a puppy. Yeah, yeah thanks for the shit sandwich, yeah. Dad. But yeah, and actually in that transformation as well, my dad and I didn't agree necessarily to the direction of travel of the business, so we weren't on best of terms either. That's a whole other side of it. Because yeah. family businesses, it's all not, you know, it's an entirely different emotional journey being in a family business. Well, there's business. emotions attached yeah, to it from yeah, your yeah. board members being family yeah. members. And I, d I didn't take over in the best way possible. It was, you know, he and I argued long and hard about the direction of travel of the business. And so that's all going on as well. So, But I think ultimately when we talk about mindset, you've just got to get into it. How did you get through that though? Because them, them challenges there. So you, you know that the business is potentially falling off a cliff. You've yeah. got to evolve, you've got to adapt, you've got to yeah. innovate. You step into the CEO's position, literally a week later, the whole country goes into recession. And I remember the recession, everything stopped. Yeah. Then you've yeah. got the emotional attachment to your staff, because obviously you've been there no, totally. anyway. And then as soon as you step into the CEO position, you're changing pensions and you've got to try and keep the business, which has obviously been well, going yeah, at this point yeah. nearly 100 years. Yeah. 100 years. It was 100, it was 100 years old in the day we lost our life. What was going through your mind when you were going through this and how did you get through it? You just do it, I think. I think you just... To me, and I would say that if I was mentoring or working with any other budding entrepreneurs, is that you've just got to keep going forward mm -hmm. and you've got to keep swimming forward. And sometimes you're going to swim under the water for a while, so hold your breath, but you've just got to keep moving forward. It's a bit scary and it's a bit painful, but what you shouldn't do is stop and think about it too much mm -hmm. because it'll haunt you. What you've got to do is just say, we're going to try and get this fixed. And ultimately you will or you won't. But that's that. That's it. You've just got to keep going. And we, look, you mentioned before, we won the fastest 50. In fact, I think we were the only company to win, certainly our, our classification two years running. But then we hit pandemic and it went the other way. Yeah. Because life is a roller coaster, and then suddenly that was extraordinary. And it's hard at the moment. We're still coming out of the back of the pandemic. Our, our largest sector is automotive, so we, we've struggled. Yeah, you know, and we're changing the business at the same time. Mm -hmm. We made some decisions before the pandemic hit that probably I wouldn't have made if I'd known the pandemic. I think was a lot coming. of business owners and a lot of CEOs yeah. and entrepreneurs yeah. did the same thing because no one knew what the pandemic was going to be or if it was going to hit us or if it was not going to hit us. I remember all of the kind of like hearsay scaremongering of, oh, have you seen this disease that's going on in Asia? And even I sat there and went, it's not going to hit us. I mean, in the January, yeah, yeah. we signed a, a property lease on a 15-year term yeah. and invested half a million pound into our new state-of-the-art offices. Yeah. And literally three months later, Boris Johnson sticking everybody in lockdown yeah. saying you can't go work. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I did the same in, in 2019. So yeah, so we had we had a, a big customer base, a lot of it tail, which was still my dad's business, which had just continued on with us. But what we were doing was starting to manage manufacturing side, so major mm -hmm. supply chains. So like I say, you know, handling thousands and thousands of products, using technology to do that. And our smaller clients really weren't fitting that model, and therefore we were starting to let them down a little bit. So we cut that tail off, right. and we did that literally before the pandemic started. And if I could, if I could just hang on three or four months before I was making that decision, it wouldn't have been as difficult. Yeah, you know, because. But this is a good point, right? Because one of the things that we were talking about before we started was the the kind of we know, and not just ourselves, but everybody who has that title of of being an entrepreneur or being a CEO mm. of an organisation. Yeah. 
we really do know what it takes. The feelings that we wake up with every morning, you you know, you, you have your morning routines and you sit and you say, today's going to be a great day, but no day ever goes the way that you want it to go because otherwise, you know, you would be sitting in a business that's not scaling or growing because I believe that the businesses that are scaling, are growing, are innovative, change and elevating and whatnot. Every single day is a different challenge, but yeah. the perception outside of them people who aren't entrepreneurs they look over to entrepreneurs who have that label and think oh you guys have got it easy you've yeah. got this you've got that you're all driving oh, around it's dead easy to run your own business yeah exactly <laughs> but you and i both know it's not what's some of the talk us through some of the some of the key challenges that you've faced over the 30 years that you've been in business and how you got through them challenges and what them challenges actually did to you to put you where you are today I, I, like I think I said before, that takeover in 2008, A, if I could go back and do that all again, and I've said this many times now, my dad and I argued long and hard about the direction of travel of the business to the point where we had another company in Scotland and we were driving between Newcastle and Edinburgh to go to the other company to go to a board meeting. And I remember stopping the car somewhere past Coldstream, I think it was, and just telling him to get out of the car and he was never going to see his grandkids again and all that was just wow. awful because we just you just you know and that's not how you should present the new iteration of a business to your no. boss you know you should be in a room showing the direction of travel and it wasn't it was so emotional and it was you know I, I look back then and entirely embarrassed by it but I think in family business that's where you can end up because yeah. it's still son and father you still have that relationship where you know it can be a bit fractious can you separate it can you yeah separate? yeah we are we we We've always been pretty good at it, but it means a lot to both of us. And actually, the point of it is, is that it's the passion in it. And we yeah. were properly at each other. Now, we're best of friends again now, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Have been since. And, and after that, I think you went and talked to my mother. My mum went, let them get on with it. And then I went in and took the job on, lost my largest customer and got this final salary pension scheme issue, you know. But and at that point in time, he st you know, within two weeks, he was back in going, look, just... I've got a hand on your shoulder, son. Just get on with it. You'll be yeah. fine. Do you Let know me what I mean? You. So, yeah, because he's Sometimes been, you need that. Yeah, it's exactly. And he went through a change in his business. He changed it from, let's say, from what his mother did before that. And so I, I guess you understand it. So those were some challenges. But then we talked, then again, and it comes and you think, right, okay, so now I'm hitting 2014. I've moved on. I've stabilized the business. We're getting to a place. I've changed the business model. We then hit fastest 50, and we grew absolutely topsy-turvy. You know, it was it, it was just utterly it was just utterly chaos. We went from twelve people to sixty people in that period of time. Oh, yeah, which is that's and, a big challenge in itself. Yeah, well, well, well exactly, and some good challenge and all of that. And then uh, you know, we've got that that nice size and everything, and then plans to kick on, and then pandemic hits, and it starts to go the other way, and then suddenly, you know, and and so it's all a bit crazy. There's a bit of luck in this. There's, it's, I, you know. I wouldn't say there's ever luck in what we do. It's serendipity. You, yeah. you find your own luck. You, and I've definitely had some on the way. But I think ultimately, just like I said before, you just got to keep going forward. I think we were talking about it just before I started this, is that you know, I sit on the board of the Entrepreneurs Forum and we were talking at a board meeting last night about that entrepreneurs can often be looked at as a millionaire's club and sometimes mm -hmm. the Entrepreneurs Forum is looked at as like that, apparently. And that's absolute. It's Nonsense. crazy. Yeah, Nonsense. because don't get me wrong, there are some very successful, very wealthy people, but not one of them has not gone through something. And you do, it's like you said before, Steve, we live with it. We wake up in the morning. Uh, and it's hard for me to comment on this because I've never, ever 
worked for anybody else other than my dad. So I suppose I've probably always been at the, at the, well, not the front of it. It's not the right expression, but do you know what I mean? It's that. It's like we say, it's, you know, we're the last people to get paid. Yep. It's important that your team get paid, suppliers get paid, that sort of thing. That's all important, but it's always you last. And I think that probably generates its own emotion, but I can't compare it because I don't know anything yeah. else, you know? And you have those moments you wake up and go, oh, I've still got to pay my mortgage, so yeah. how is this all going to work? It's funny that you say the Entrepreneurs Forum is looked at as the Millionaires Club because, yeah. and I know this because obviously I'm part of the forum and yeah. I know many CEOs and entrepreneurs that are also part of the forum and I can assure you now, they don't sit there and think this is the Millionaires Club. They no. sit there and think every single one of them is trying to scale, yeah. grow and develop a business. Yeah. And I think what the Entrepreneurs Forum does and other forums out there around the UK as well yeah. is it gives you that network and that support to know that you're not on your own yeah and it is lonely at the top you know you, you can't really talk to your staff about it because you're at the top and it's on your shoulders you can't really talk to your family members about it unless it's a family business because you don't want to seem like you're failing well, because they've believed yeah. in you so you sit there and you just take all of the challenges that it takes to build and grow an organization and you do develop, as I say, that compassion and that empathy for your team. And you know, like we know that, the journey of, a, of trying to form an idea, turn it into a business, commercialize it and make it profitable in them first two years is probably one of the hardest things that anyone can do. And it's all on you. And I think what the forum does is it shows you that actually it's just a number. It doesn't matter if there's, yeah. if it's a a million pound business, a 500,000 pound business, a 200 grand business, or a 50 million pound business. There's people that are going through exactly the same challenges as what you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think, and so to hear that, maybe people say it like that, is a shame really, because what I would like to see is Entrepreneurs Forum, you know, have all the entrepreneurs in the Northeast region, because that's the Eric cover, you know, from the time to the T's. Because I think, like you say, that what's really important in all this is that you have somebody to talk to. I mean, I've had a number of mentors along the way. I think that's really critical. I hate the term mentee and mentor. It sort of sounds like somebody sitting at somebody's knee expecting all the answers. It's not that. You know, my mentor at the moment, although she probably wouldn't call herself this, definitely wouldn't call herself this, is, is Sarah Callender, who you may know. Yeah. And her and I walk and talk. And I've always had somebody who I've done that with and... You know, she'll be having a bad day, and we'll be talking through stuff, and and, and vice cool. versa. And it's, she runs her own business. She understands the problems, and I think that's the most important thing. It, it's you can look at entrepreneurs and say, well, they're all multimillionaires, but you have to get there. And it's like I'm saying, you know, people go, well, oh, Toby, you went fast as fifty. You must be doing really well. It was good, but it's not like that every single day, <laughs> you know. And so, it's really important that it doesn't matter who you are. And what I really want to encourage is for people to join the forum, stay with the forum as members, and even when you've had your bit out of it you give back I think to me and I think that's totally probably agree. part of our ethic inside the business always has been as a family is that you know we're there to, to enable community to be better and to move on and, and you know as, as an organisation and particularly myself we do a, I do a lot of work around those sort of things where we're trying to give back it's always been a natural part of it but I think within the forum it's really important that we give back to each other and we, at the moment we've got three or 350 members something of that number but we should have five six seven hundred eight hundred members but because it's the interconnection yeah we can have some inspiring events and we all want to be inspired mm -hmm. by the great stories but actually it's just it's even what we're doing here steve is we just chat and there's get, no there's, get in, stuff in, off in, our in, chest in my in my view in the northeast there's nothing else that compares to the forum yeah. i've sit on as a spokesperson and a, an ambassador for the iod right. and 
their aspirations are to bring events to the northeast. Yeah. But them events they're a bit old and dated, and I don't mind saying that. But when you look at the forum and the events that they have, and you look at the support that the forum actually gives to up and coming entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, as you've just said there. I've been a member for nearly 10 years and I can't, I, there's nothing like it. Yeah. And I know that we're, we're singing the praises for the forum, but I think it's important that people who are out there now thinking about setting up a business or thinking about what that next career move looks like, or maybe an MD about to step into a CEO's position, you take a lot of burden on your shoulders and you've got to have that ability to get through shit, as you say, just keep going forward. But you do definitely need people around you that can support you and encourage you through them dark days when you go, this is this is bad. You know, yeah, you I'm do. sinking. You do. I, I think it, it's critical. And it's something I'd never really thought about. But once you start, it helps everything. Because to me, something like the forum, it's about being inspired at events, but it's about creating that, that mental relationship. But then what it is about also driving your network. And I think that's that's an interesting thing. And I think the other thing that's come out of it, and we were talking again about this last week, you know, because we have the awards and such at the forum, but I think it's not so much about the award, but it's the fact that every single person who's in roles similar to us, you've got to stop and celebrate because you can have the downside. And I don't think enough people do that. And I think often we talked a bit about it again last night and about, you know, is it about us or is it about the team? Are we doing this for us or are we doing it for the teams? And at some point in time, you also got to step back and go, like I said, we won fastest 50, and that was a, an amazing thing. And I don't think at the time we ever stopped and celebrated it. Do you know what I mean? Just moving on to the next thing. I don't think you do, though. No, do you? Because you I should. Think, I, I, I did actually see something on a meme a, a couple of weeks back saying, don't forget to celebrate where you are right now and the yeah. journey that you've been on to yeah. get to where you are. Yeah. And, and take that moment. And it's yeah. funny that we talk about that because I don't think entrepreneurs or business leaders do stop because yeah. it, your mindset's probably the same, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. No. Because today can be a dark day or an amazing day. Yeah. It, it, you know, I'm yeah. only as good as that last day. Yesterday was great. I'm waking up today. It's a new day. Forget about yesterday. I just need to get through today yeah. And, yeah. and keep pushing and, and yeah. growing the business. But when those moments come, and I think, certainly all of my peer group, I think we're all probably a bit guilty of it, is that, because it's not like you get the end of the race and you've won a gold medal, mm -hmm. because the race just goes on tomorrow. Like yeah. you say, it just goes on. You know, there will be some dark days and there will be some good days. And I think it's somehow just finding a way to balance all that. And I think that's why it's having good people around you who you can pick up a phone to and say, I've had a bit of success for them to go, well, well done. done. I think as well, yeah, and again, a bit, it's probably a bit British mentality. It's that, you know, we're not good at patting each other on the back saying, do you know what? That's brilliant. Well done. You know? Yeah, because I think what, it comes why down to. Why comfortable about it, a bit of success? Again, Elaine put something out on, on LinkedIn the other week saying the definition of an entrepreneur and everything that was outlined on that shout out that she did, it kind of hit core, as we were saying before. You actually read it and it's like they'll sacrifice everything, they'll give before they take. Everything's about building something, scaling something for their own purpose or whatever their why is, we should be proud. Yeah. And I think for some reason along the way, along the journey, I don't know whether or not entrepreneurs do feel proud of being entrepreneurs. I think it's kind of like a, a secret where they don't want to seem arrogant because if you start swinging and saying, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, Modern day society don't like that arrogance, but it's not no, about being arrogant. Certainly not in this country, I no. don't think. And, and I don't think it's about being arrogant. I think it's just about saying, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm creating opportunities and I, I want to build and scale something. It all comes down to you. Why, doesn't it? I mean, in terms of 
what you've achieved with MBT. Fast forward from when you joined the business to where you are now. I did my own research last night, and from when that business started 110 years ago, which is amazing, you must be one of the, the oldest companies in, in the Northeast, surely. So you through World War well, World War One and World War Two. Yeah. And how the business started to where it is today. Second pandemic. We've done two pandemics. Now. Two pandemics. <laughs> how You must have been through at least three recessions. Oh, way more than that, yeah. Lots yeah. and lots so of recessions. Two yeah. world, two world yeah. wars, yeah. God knows how many recessions, two pandemics. Yeah. Fast forward to where the business is today, and you have to be proud of this because you are at the helm. Your business looks like a modern-day tech inventory company yeah. that just talks about the future of 4.0 and, yeah. and how that's going to impact the supply chain industry our, as a whole. Purpose has changed, really. So my, my purpose is now is, is to try and eradicate overconsumption. I think the world is dying because we just buy too much stuff, mm-hmm. whether that's at home yeah. or at work. And my interest, obviously, is in work. And, you know, for for 25 years, I've done 30 years of this now, 25 years of my career, I, I basically was selling people probably more than they needed. Do you yeah. know what I mean? To a degree, I think what we do now with the technologies that we have is it restricts consumption to the right amount. We're very good at finding, of creating algorithms because we've got such control on what people have on a actually floor or, or in a hospital ward, it doesn't really matter where the inventory is, is that we can then run algorithms across the top of that to ensure that the right amount of, of, of inventory is brought in, which means that people are buying. So if you look at some of our clients, they'll get inventory reductions from of anywhere up to 75%. And so, therefore, they're just not buying as much stuff, which is an interesting challenge to our business model. Yeah, you know? So we've had we're having to look at all that. So that there's another bit of pain as you sort of move rails. But my belief now is that we have to get the world to, to buy less, use stuff more effectively and efficiently. We you know we talk about recycle and reuse a lot now. Mm-hmm. And how do you bring all that to bear? And then how do you get technology to manage all those very complex decision making? So what I would say is we're really good at the last six inches of the last mile. That's what we are very good at. The moment somebody puts their hand out, a product's there. And it's only there when they need it. Mm-hmm. It's not there for the, you know, whereas usually people just have stuff lying around. So because we've done that very well, we're, we can now start to build up the digital model behind. So at the moment with Northumbria University, I'm building what we're calling a digital test bed, which essentially is a simulator to take a part from point of view. So say a copper welding tip yep. that goes onto a welding machine, take it right back to the copper mine through every touch point wow. so that we can track it and control and create visibility in it, which then allows us to start to mitigate risk. So what happens if the copper mines in Ukraine and there's a war? Can we switch it? Can we flick it somewhere else? What happens if there's a tsunami in Japan and somehow that affects the supply chain? What happens with what's going on in the Red Sea at the moment, you know, yeah. the tragedy that's going on in, in that part of the world? How can we start to move this around as, as supply chains now are global and will always be global? That has become our interest and it's all about well rather than just having lots of stuff here so we don't run out how can we just do things better so that actually the world's not over consuming that's our that's that's my that's, drive that's our that's purpose amazing. really and you and i saw that um obviously your journey is now come to where you've stepped into the exec chairman role and you've brought in a, a ceo who's the first non-family member did yeah so did now yeah we knew he was in for three years and stepped out and I've stepped back into the CEO oh really actually, okay yeah, literally just, I didn't see just, that yeah no well it's only just happened in the last couple of months so. okay and then you went straight back into the hot seat again yeah because Steve you miss it and we've got some real challenges at the minute around the our model and where I want to go with it all it's entirely yeah. different and I miss being at the shop and so I, I take the time out to develop probably more strategically 
Um, I'm visiting professor now at Northumbria University yeah. because of the work that we do in supply chain. It's all around digitization of supply chain. We're creating there a center for digital supply chain excellence at the minute, mm-hmm. trying to bring the focus of changing that world to the northeast into one of the say one of the academic institutions here. So I've had that opportunity to do that, but that was a very strategic top level looking sort of downwards and inwards rather than being a part of it yep. you know and, and I miss being a part of it I miss being the cut and thrust of it do you work in the business or do you work on the business I think at the moment probably a bit of both I've always been about trying to develop teams and develop some great people I've got some great people working for me now who've got a great future and I'm just trying to work with them to get them to a place where they can take that on from me I think I've always been naturally lazy when it comes to that so it's always easy to just I go, think it's probably can, one of the can biggest you, can you get other people to do that yeah I mean the, 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 the art of being a CEO is that ability to not be a control freak and delegate but I remember you know the first three or four years of, of my company delegating was just like I would delegate and then after about three days of delegating I'd be like let me do it for you I'll show you how to do it I've got a lot better over the years but it is... People I, don't I, learn if you do like that. I know, I know. But I think I read something the other day by Richard Harpin that said one of the biggest challenges that he had with growing his business was creating successful teams. Then when you actually dive into that and you reference it and you start looking at some of the great companies out there, they all have that trait and they all speak about, articulate. The hardest thing with building a business is building really successful teams oh, yeah. and actually getting them people to retain in the business, to retain them. Because it's it's funny, isn't it? When something's going really, really well and you think, oh, the business is going smoothly, everything's running great. Next thing you know, three or four of your top people are leaving and you sit and you question to yourself, well, why are they leaving? And I think it's that, personally, from my point of view, is you sit and you think, well, did they leave me or did they leave the business? Mm. Did I miss something? Mm. Did I miss their aspirations? Did they want more things? And especially being in a recruitment and, and, a, yeah, and a fan yeah. of psychology, I always I always assess that and look at that when I see someone leaving my company below me. It's really hard though, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. they're leaving you. Yeah. I've always struggled with that a bit. And it's, you know, it's hard when sometimes you've got to cut your cloth as well and... and, and that's a hard thing to do. And I look back and some of the mistakes I've made in that and I feel just awful about it. And yeah. I, sometimes, you know, I'd still wake up, you know, it could have happened 20 odd years ago. I mean, so we went through 2008 and lost a million pounds of the turnover and you've got to cut your cloth. Yeah, yeah. And I look back then and that, you know, I made some really tough decisions. Tough and is- some of them I'd go back and go, it's just wrong decision. Just shouldn't have done that. But yeah. the worst thing you do is get caught not making a decision. You've got to make a decision. You've got to do something. Yeah. You know? One um, of the things I got told was that the toughest decisions to make in business are usually the right ones to make. Yeah. But again, when we talk about this podcast, it was all focused around the emotional intelligence, the intellectual intelligence, the social intelligence, and the adversity, being able to deal with shit. And they're the core four things that I believe yeah. make an entrepreneur. Can you build long-lasting relationships? That's the social element. And people believe in you, yeah. create a fellowship. You're honest, you're integral, and you've got people there that, that trust you with their careers. The emotional element is the toughest part when you're making tough decisions and you have to remove your emotions from that situation and think to yourself, I have to make this decision. It's the toughest decision to make, but it's the right decision to yeah. make, and I have to do it. Yeah. And again, I, I can't really comment on this because I've never been in a different position, but they're still your people. Yeah. I imagine if you're chief exec for a business it's the business's people it's mm-hmm. not really us. I don't know whether that 
makes I don't know whether that is different, but I think to me, yeah, ultimately, ultimately, yeah, family business. They are my family. They're they're all part of the family. That's how we see it. Always have done, really. You know, and it's it's about how do you, yeah, just how are you fair? Make the right decisions to keep everything moving in the right direction. You know, it is tough. It, It is hard. But like I said, that's that's the point where we're all going through this, Steve. Yeah. You know, and whatever you go through, I've probably been through, and vice versa, and so have other people. And whilst somebody might be at the very top of their game and have sold out and have made a lot of money, they've probably been through a lot of pain. And it, if you read all the literature, you look at all any company that starts, they'll always start where it's that. There's no way that you can get no, to that point and no. say, you know, I've built an amazing business and I've exited and I've gone on to something else. And from the outside, it looks like, oh, Grandy's built and scaled a company and exited that journey of doing that i can tell you now and i'm sure you can that's that's not an easy journey no. if, if you had to say and i think the listeners will, will get something from this because there is similar traits in a snippet if you had to say the three biggest challenges of being an entrepreneur or being a business leader that probably your three challenges would probably be the same as mine what would you say the three biggest challenges are of scaling growing a business from in, in a snippet Cash people, yeah. I've only got two. Yeah, it's always that. Doesn't matter. You have so all businesses are the same. It's usually a great idea, cash and people, and people's the key bit. Yeah. Getting that bit right is that's what it all comes down totally to at the end right. of the day, and and always has done. You know, as long as you've got a great idea and think you can change the world, make a difference, then chances are you can. Yeah. And then you've just got to get somebody to give you the cash. Yeah, you know whether that's mum and dad or the bank or whomever. And then, yeah, you've got to start to build teams around you who you can rely on and work with. Some days I look and think, you know, I've really got this right. And then I go, oh, this is horrible. Or <laughs> then it's right again. Even um, after 30 years? Yeah, of course it is. And, oh, I thought you were going to give me some encouragement. Yeah. To say, you know, it gets a little but, bit easier after 10 years, Steve. But yeah, yeah, I don't but, think it does, does he? I think entrepreneurs like that, though, don't they? An entrepreneur enjoys the challenges even though we probably wouldn't admit it to ourselves we do enjoy the challenges we enjoy the adversity we enjoy the challenges we enjoy the people aspect of building successful teams and seeing them grow and i think from people who i've interviewed and books and literature that i've read when it gets to a point where it's no longer a challenge and it's just an operating cash cow organization start someone else that's what i said and and i think that just happens doesn't it because i started a theater company because i wanted to run a theater right just for no other reason than i wanted to run a theater and and for 17 years i went from a theater company to actually running a theater or founding a theater down in in north shields and we put 240,000 people through various arts programs because for me that sector is all about how do you get people to stand on the stage, come and get involved? The creative piece yep. in people's really key. I think it's missing in schools these days. So that was one of the key reasons I did it. It wasn't, it wasn't always about the money. It was about something else. So, giving back. Yeah, well, it is about giving back. But it's, 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 I think schools are reducing the arts-based subjects at school. Right. You're not getting as much influence from those now. But that's the creative spirit. That's where it all comes from, really. And as, as, as AI and ChatGPT starts to take over the world, we need more people with more creative thought process. Yeah. And we're not getting that in schools. So... We decided to go and do that and say 240,000 people through various programs. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. And we started with zero pounds right. and lasted 17 years. And in the end, we had, we got out of it in February last year. But I think at the end, we had something like 19 people working for us in a social enterprise. What's next then? Because it sounds like your business has got challenges ahead, especially with... Shaking MBT. Shaking MBT. Especially with the one. AI. I'm, I'm guessing that's going to play a part in the growth of your business. It does now. We're using it. We use it now. Yeah. Yeah, we're using it now. Yeah. So 
my world is, is ripe for change in terms of that automation piece. So when we talk about Industry 4 and such, that, there's some massive challenges to that. So even things like saying, well, people should recycle more. If you recycle more, that means you're probably buying less, which is a challenge for a yeah. normal supply chain. So manufacturers are going to make half as much. Yeah. We're going to supply half as much. So it's a business model change. So we're going through that at the moment. You know, So if I, if, yeah, if I reduce my customers' inventories by 40 to 75% on average... Do you know what I mean? It's that's great for the client, but it's, it's not great for your cash flow. No, it's not. So that that has been our challenge. That's been our burden. That's what I didn't see yeah. when we got into this world, but actually you can see it now. So the exciting thing is changing that. How how do I absolutely eradicate overconsumption? That's that's what we want to do. So the challenge is finding a new way of working so that suppliers and clients are happy and all of that. Because at the moment, clients are very happy. Suppliers not so happy. Yeah. So we've got a bit of that. So I think, yeah, it's, and to me, it's developing the teams in there so they can look after that and take that forward. Mm-hmm. And then how do we grow that now? How do we kick on again? And then when does it when does it get to the point where Toby gets back into the executive chair position so he can build other things? And what does when the, the team's ready? When yeah. the, well, that's when the team's ready. And then, yeah, and then how do we keep developing that side forward? But then I still have response, you know, so I sit on the Entrepreneurs Forum board, yeah. I'm on the LEP board. I sit on an organization called Newcastle Creates, which is the democratization of culture essentially across the city. You know, how does culture make Newcastle a better place to be generally, whether that's from an environmental point of view or my area of interest is prosperity? How does how does culture positively impact on prosperity of the city? Mm-hmm. But then also it will become hopefully the new devolved authority. They say the left's morphing into that devolved authority. That's really interesting to me because... I truly believe we need to rest control in this area and not be so dependent on on London. Mm-hmm. You know, I, think, I agree. I agree. You know, we've got a, we've got a great region with some great facilities, some great people, some really interesting people doing some really interesting things. There is not enough money in the region. We need a much bigger pot of money. You know, I, I, I agree. I think if you look at the the growth opportunities in the northeast across various different sectors, I think it's always been an advocate and a leader in engineering and manufacturing. We've got the ports here, deep ports. We've got the ability to create an area of renewable energy excellence with one of the biggest offshore wind farms here. We've got great people, great schools, great universities, but for some reason, it still feels like we get left behind. Yeah, that's a mindset thing, though, for me, Steve. We've got to stop thinking like that. I guess once upon a time, Northern California would have said exactly the same, yeah. and now look at it, you know. I remember going to San Francisco 30-odd years ago, and it's not like it is today. No, I agree. You know, and, and we've got some great businesses. We've got some great people. What we've got to do is just stand on our two feet and, and stop putting our hands out for, you know, to, and waiting for London to make the change. And what we've got to do is, is be louder. Toby, there's, I there's think lots of things you, we you can do. see the passion of the northeast within you. I think you should no, become, you should run for mayor one day. <laughs> Look, you've obviously you've had challenges. You've grown an amazing business. You stepped into a company that was pretty much about to sink, and you turn that around, and you've 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 done an unbelievable job with MBT. What do you do for fun? Like the listeners are probably going to be sitting there thinking, does this guy do anything other than just graft and build businesses? Like, what do you do for fun? Start businesses. Start businesses. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, one of the challenges I've had uh-huh. so is is that you, you take your hobbies and you turn them into businesses because you see yeah. the opportunity of doing something more. I think that's true. Which, which is a risk. So, no, I, uh, so I've uh, two sons, 17 and 18, who are very, very keen rugby players. So I spend my most of my time at weekends stood on the side of cold pitches watching the rugby, which I love, absolutely love. So that's that's my thing. And if I'm not watching them play, I'm 
invariably in a rugby club drinking beer. And what does your morning routine look like? I've got to ask. What my you, morning routine? Yeah, before oh, you get, before you get in the office, what what's your morning routine look like? I'm just like a bear with a sore head in the mornings. So yeah. I'm 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 more the other side of the day. I'm more of a night owl type person, so I'll tend to work late in the night and then I'm a bit slow in the morning. So right. I'm not one to jump and go to the gym. I bet you're up at five o'clock. I am up at five o'clock every morning. Five o'clock up. My energy is definitely at its peak. Some people like working until midnight, one o'clock in the yeah. morning. But for me, I always have done. And my best ideas come usually around that point. Then people really? go, yeah, that's not right. But they have, yeah. Absolutely. Everyone's different, aren't they? I, th- I think my best ideas come when I'm in the gym and I'm having a sweat on, and then I also and I go, oh, that's a really good idea. I, I, I'll follow that through tomorrow. My best ideas have always come in a pub. In a pub, yeah, New with way. your mates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's take some snippets away from this then. So, yeah. if you were to give three bits of critical advice to up and coming entrepreneurs, business leaders, what would they be? Uh, it's going to be tough at some point. So just keep moving forward. Yeah, sometimes you're going to have to be under the water, holding your breath. So yeah, keep moving forward, and then I would suggest as we've talked about, get a mentor, get somebody to talk to. Forget the term mentor, get somebody to talk to, you know, who's probably been in it. And and that probably doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. If you're, like I said, talk to the boys who are, who are rugby players now and want to go on and play professional rugby, go go find people who who have done what you've done yep. and, and go through and just talk to them about it because they'll, they'll understand, you know. And, and, and in our world, Steve, don't think of the Entrepreneurs Forum particularly. Come and join us if you're an entrepreneur. And don't think of this as a millionaire's club because it's not always that easy. I think they're good um, snippets. Yeah, is that three? Yeah, that's um, three. I think. And uh, celebrate. Sorry, can I just say? Yeah. When you have your good days or your good days with your team, celebrate it. Don't be scared to go. That was a really good day. I think that's uh, that's a good way to end the show. Celebrate every win, no matter how small or big. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I've probably taken something away from that, Toby. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Good. It's been good to be here. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to Unlock Your Mindset with me, Steve Olson.